I'm excited to dive into uh, this three-part series as we do the 21 days of prayer. I love preaching during the 21 days of prayer. This is one of my favorite things to do uh, because about week two or three, particularly in January when we're doing the prayer and fasting, about week two or three, you start to see who is fasting, all right? You start to kind of figure that out from the caffeine deprivation jitters that people start to get or uh, from people who like, like they're always on their phone and they're not on their phone and you're like, I think you might be giving up something. I enjoy that part, but that's on the physical side. On the spiritual side, January and August, when we do these 21 days, uh, about week two or week three, you really begin to see spiritual fruit from what we've been doing. And so I would encourage you guys, take these 21 days. If you've never bought into it, buy in this time. If you've never done it with us, do it this time, because you can change the trajectory of your life by committing to prayer. It's not because of the words that I say. It's not because of the music that we sing. All that is great. But if you commit yourself to prayer, you take these 21 days, I promise you, you can change the direction of your life. It's an incredible time that we have just to dedicate. We do it twice a year to dedicate our lives to the Lord in prayer. To really seek the Lord for what he may be speaking to us. What he may want to show us direction. If you have decisions to make. If you have things you're praying for in your family. Take these 21 days. Take advantage of this opportunity that we have all of these services. All this time that we're setting aside together. We're doing it together. To make sure that we commit ourselves as people of prayer. So three weeks we're going to pray. And then alongside of that we're launching this series called Forgotten Prayers. And that is each week I'm basically arming you with three different prayers that we're going to pray. Three prayers that honestly, let me just tell you this from the outset. These are not safe prayers. These are not normal prayers. These are not prayers that you may hear everybody praying. Because honestly, if you were to ask my opinion of things, we boil prayer down to like our own little safe. uh, Honestly, we boil prayer down into maybe two or three types of prayers. What, What kind of prayers do we pray? Lord, you know, Lord, help us. Lord, protect us. Lord, give us whatever, whatever your catchphrase is. Hedge of protection. Lord, give us traveling mercies. Whatever, whatever you boil prayer down to. That's what we've kind of we've kind of made it. So what I want to do this series is to arm us with some prayers that probably 90 percent of Christians, myself included, usually skip right over on our way to the boiled down prayers. We usually skip right over if we're praying for our food or we're praying for whatever it is, our devotions at night, praying over our kids. We usually skip over these prayers. And so I'm calling these forgotten prayers because either by choice or by circumstance, we have forgotten to pray them. Either we have chosen, I say by choice, because just so you know from the outset, when you pray these prayers, God is going to do some things that take you out of your comfort zone. These are not prayers. If you are wanting to stay in your own square box, you're wanting to stay in your own comfort zone. These are not the prayers to pray. But these are prayers that we are called to pray as Christians. They're prayers that we need to remember to pray, especially in these 21 days and beyond. So week number one, we're going to start with our first forgotten prayer. We're going to go to the book of Psalms. It's a prayer David prayed in Psalms chapter 139. It's a prayer David prayed when his enemies and the enemies of God were on the attack. And so they're actually accusing David of his motives being impure, of the way that he he did some things. And they're accusing David of having motives that are selfish and David of having motives that aren't in line with God. And so instead of defending himself and saying, well, no, 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 and kind of giving his defense of all the things that he's done, David goes to the Lord in prayer and he prays this prayer in Psalms 139. This is our first forgotten prayer, verses 23 and 24. And then after I read this, I'm going to ask all of us to read this together, all right? So just prepare yourself. He says, search me, God. And know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. 
This is the prayer David prays. When he's under attack, when people are going against his character, people are going against his motives, people are attacking him, instead of standing before them and defending himself under his own strength, he goes to God and he prays this prayer. I don't know if people have ever talked bad about you. I don't know if anybody's ever talked behind your back. If they haven't, praise the Lord. You just don't know about it, all right, everybody? But if they have, I want you to see how David responds to this scenario. How David begins to pray before the Lord. And then to kind of move our hearts towards prayer, I want to pray this all together. Right? I want to read this prayer and make it our own. We're going to study it today, but at the outset, let's read this together. Come on with me, everybody. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. First thing David prays is this. Number one, jot it down if you're taking notes together. If you're not taking any notes, jot this down anyway, all right? First thing he prays is search my heart. Search my heart. Now, for some of you, you're asking the question, why would David pray? So why, why would we even pray search my heart? God already knows our hearts, right? And I've got a good heart. You've got a pretty good heart, right? God already knows inside of our heart. Well, actually, if we're going to be accurate today, we don't have a good heart. That's just a common phrase we say, right? Well, she's just got a good heart. Actually, she has a wicked heart, everybody. All right. That's just we're being completely accurate today. But he says, search my heart. Because if we're going to be accurate and we're going to be biblical today, without Christ, our hearts are not good. Our hearts are not pure. We actually have wicked, deceitful hearts. We'll see this in Jeremiah chapter 17. He says this, the human heart in chapter 17 is the most deceitful. Watch this, most deceitful of all things. Come on, she doesn't have a good heart. He doesn't have a good heart. You don't have a good heart. The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? We need to understand that without Christ, our heart is not a good heart, that we deceive others and we deceive ourselves. That so often in our terminology, so often when we're talking about ourselves or we're talking about others, we deceive because our hearts are wicked and deceitful. And the most, per- the biggest person we deceive, the biggest lie we tell is to ourselves. Because we are liars, everybody. Our hearts are deceitfully wicked. Apart from Christ, we are impure, wicked people. Come on, aren't you happy you're in church today? Come on, you just, some of you online are happy that you stayed home today. You just, we are deceitfully impure. Our hearts above all else. We are liars. Come on, show of hands today. We've done this before. How many liars do we have in the church today? How many would say we are liars? Come on, hands up. Just keep them up for a second. Keep them up a little bit longer. Come on, keep them up. Now, I want you to look around. Everybody not raising their hand. I want you to stare at them for just a second, all right? Let's just look. Just give them a hard stare. Just look at them. Come on, I, I give you permission. Liar, liar. You can tell them pants on fire. Come on, we can do Because we are, we lie, we lie, we lie, we lie in church. We lie at work. We lie. Our hearts are deceitfully impure. And yet so often we lie to ourselves to tell ourselves that we are not. That, well, they might have an impure heart, but I am holy. I am good. And I'm going to argue often the most common lie we tell is to ourselves. The heart is deceitful. We deceive ourselves. We don't even know how wicked we actually are. Or if we do, we gloss over it. We don't want to look at it. David said, search me, O God. Search my heart, O Lord. Search me. But we lie to ourselves. And honestly, we lie constantly to ourselves. Well, I'm not, I'm not prideful. I'm not full of pride. I'm not just, I'm not a prideful person. I'm just better than everybody else. I'm just, I just have that. I'm not, I'm not materialistic, right? I just deserve nice things. I just like nice things. I just have to have them. 
But I'm not materialistic. I'm not a gossip. I'm just, I'm just telling people so they can pray, right? I'm just telling people so they can pray for the wicked things all these people are doing. I just have to, I have to transfer what they are doing to these people. But I'm not a gossip. And we tell ourselves these lies to get through the day. The heart is deceitful above all else. And it's a forgotten prayer that we would go before God and say, search me. Now, we are glad to pray, search them, O Lord, search their hearts. And Lord, I believe that they are wicked. But it's a forgotten prayer that we would ask God to search us. Now, I know this verse in a little bit different, how it's kind of burned into my memory is a little bit different of a context. Um, about 20 years ago, we had a guest speaker come here to Victory. Some of you guys might remember this. And I remember him. I don't remember his name. Uh, and so I couldn't remember if he's related to any of you. And I hope he's not. But about 20 years ago, he was kind of on his circuit and he came through here. I remember him for two distinct reasons. All right. Reason number one is that he holds the record for the two longest services ever held at Victory. All right. It's just he is on the record books like one. 1 p.m. would come around and it didn't even phase him, all right? So if I go like 45 minutes and you guys are checking your watches, just know how easy you have it, all right? So he would go forever in a day like, (laughs) we're just going to air it all out today. We would have services where people would go to lunch and come back to check on us. Come on, because it was like, it was just forever in a day. But this particular, I told you for two reasons. The second reason was that this particular guy would carry around this four-foot-long silver trumpet with him. He would carry that around with him, and that's going to become important in just a moment in the story. But that particular weekend, I promise there's a point to this, all right, everybody? I, I never tell long stories. And so that particular weekend, uh, this guy had come through, and this was different for me because I had my first homecoming that weekend. And so that Saturday night, I stayed up all night long, all right? It was till 7 a.m. We were out and about and doing whatever things that we do. And so about 7 a.m., all my buddies rolled home to go to sleep, but I was on the worship team here at the church. Come on, how many know that was a smart idea? And so about 7 a.m., instead of going home, to sleep I rolled in here in the back room we had at the time and I changed out of my $50 tuxedo and I got into my praise and worship clothes and we had practice and I thought well I'll just sleep after church it'd be great I'll just sleep after church well to my horror when church rolled around I realized it was him all right he was in town marathon man right we're and I thought oh lord what did I ever do to you what did I ever and so we started that service and this guy started and he was in rare form all right everybody he was just he was in rare form that day and so I sat right over here where this wall is we used to have pews that came around the stage and so I sat right over there and just lifted my my lamentations to the lord and so this guy started, I'm sitting on that back pew, and he started to go, and it was, it was just one of those, just, uh, right? And so I, I got to watch it all. I saw all of you people going to the bathroom and never coming back. I understood, right? Like, I saw all the clever moves and things, but I'm going down with the ship, all right? I'm over here, I'm just looking. But about 1.30 in the afternoon, he said the most blessed thing I had ever said. He said, all right, now we're all going to get alone to the 30 or so of us that were left, We're going to get alone with the Lord. Everybody find a spot in the sanctuary and lay down. And I thought, oh, Lord, you have remembered your servant in the midst of his his anxiety. You have remembered me. Oh, Lord, he said, find a place and lay down. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to ask the Lord to search us and to show if there are any wicked ways in our heart. And so I found my place on that pew. I put my face down and I'll confess in church. I began to meditate before the Lord. All right. I began to meditate. I, my eyes shut. I meditated strongly in a, very, in a horizontal position before the Lord over there on that pew. And about that time, that little man snuck out his trumpet. 
And as I fell fast asleep in the midst of my overnight, I'm, I'm thinking the Lord has blessed me. And say, from this stage came the shout of the archangel and and I woke up screaming over here on the pew. I just think, and I started to repent for every sin that I had ever committed, every sin that I had never committed, every sin that I had ever even thought. I began to repent of those things. I don't think we ever invited him back. I don't think that's what. And I shouted with all that I had within me. How many know it wasn't a real repentance after I woke up from that thing? How many know that I, I heard the prayer that he was asking us to pray, but I wasn't praying it? I was asleep, everybody. That's just what that was happening. How many know that I heard the verse? And so often as Christians, we hear the verse. We may like a good psalm before we go to bed at night. We may like a good psalm in our devotion. We may say, well, that's great. I enjoy the rhythm of the words and things. But we gloss right over the actual prayer. Let me tell you, my little ninth grade brain, there was no praying, God, search me. God, find any wicked way in me. God, show me anything in my life. But David prays this prayer. And I think too often as Christians, this is a forgotten prayer. Too often as Christians, we don't pray, Lord, search me. We don't pray, Lord, teach me. We don't pray, Lord, show me any show me any sin that's in my life. And so today I want to break this into four parts. I just want to look at four parts of this prayer, four parts of this that God is using. That we are praying as Christians that we need to pray. So David says, search my heart and God will show you. Let me just tell you this. When you pray these prayers, God will do the things that you are asking him to do. He will search you. He will point out things in your life, not to be cruel, but because his Holy Spirit is transforming you into the image of Christ. That's why we pray these prayers. And so David boldly prays this prayer, search my heart. Part two, jot it down if you're taking notes. Then he prays essentially, reveal my fears. So some of you were comfortable with the first part. Some of you don't like the second part of this prayer. He says, search my heart, O Lord. Then he says, reveal my fears. Verse 23, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me. Watch this and know my anxious thoughts. What is it that keeps you anxious? What is it that makes you anxious? What thing brings anxiety into your life? What thing are you anxious about? A lot of times we don't even acknowledge our anxieties. We just kind of say, well, everybody worries about that. And everybody has to go through that. And everybody feels like that. And so it's not really an anxiety. It's just a part of who I am. And too often we'll go years without even addressing the things that make us anxious. What makes you afraid? What makes you anxious? What gives you anxious thoughts? Now, I'm not talking about snakes and spiders, all right, everybody? Or like the man who hides behind the shower curtain in the bathroom in the dark, right, to get you when you go in there, all right? That's not what I'm, not what I'm talking about. He may never be there, but I still check every time, all right? I still check every single... Unless one of you think you're going to be that person, just know I am cocked and ready every single time, all right? Every time. Just want to put that warning out there. I've had that... Happened before. But what is it internally that makes you afraid? What makes you anxious? What things make you afraid? Are you afraid of losing your job? Are you afraid of, of being stuck in a marriage and it never getting better? Are you afraid of not getting married until such and such an age? Are you afraid of the unknown? Are you afraid of what makes you afraid? You're afraid of failure. Some people are afraid of success. What, what makes you afraid? What makes you anxious? And why does it matter? Why would we say, God, test my anxious thoughts? God, Test me and know what makes me. Why, why would that matter? Well, I would submit to you, and I would argue this. You can jot it down if you're taking notes. That the presence of fear in areas is the absence of faith. When there is fear in different areas, it, it notates an absence of faith in that particular area. If I'm scared to death that my marriage isn't going to work out, then I'm not trusting God with my marriage. 
If I'm scared to death that I'm not going to make the right decision, that I'm not going to make a difference, if I'm scared to death that I'm not going to hear the voice of God, that I'm not trusting God with the steps of my life. If, I'm, if I live in fear, then it's the absence of faith in that area. And I would submit to you that that area that you can see where you have the most anxiety is the area where you're not trusting God in. Where we have that most anxiety. Where there is fear, there is no trust. God, reveal my fears is what David prays. God, test me and show my anxious thoughts. And I prayed this prayer this week, week one of forgotten prayers. And I'm going to do this each week because as I prepare for this, I prayed this prayer every day this week. That I begin to pray this prayer. God, reveal my anxious thoughts. God, reveal where I fear the most. God, reveal where I have no faith. God, reveal where I'm not trusting you. And this is just personal to me. It will be different for each one of us. But I believe that God showed me this week that I have a fear of failure. That in my theory, I have this fear, I'm scared to death of failing. Oftentimes, if I succeed, it's because I have my fear of failure. That it's just driving me to succeed because I fear failure so much. And then praying through that a little bit level, a little bit on a deeper level, came to realize that it's honestly a fear of not being enough. Not being adequate enough. It's a fear of being inadequate, not being righteous enough, not being wise enough, not being whatever enough. This is my fear. And honestly, it's not great for anybody, but much less as a pastor, because in my role in the academy, in my role at the church, I cannot be led by fear. I have to be led by faith. And so this is a shortcoming that God is pointing out to me. As we pray these prayers, we have to be honest to agree and to listen to what God is saying to us. That I cannot be led by fear. I have to be led by faith. That in the midst of those that things, because there are some things that God is calling our church to do and some things he's calling our academy to do, things we're doing on the campus that honestly might not work out unless we put all of it in, unless God is in the midst of it. And so I have to be led by faith. And so fear, this fear of this is keeping me from obedience. You understand that? It might mean a lot to you. It's very personal for me. It might not mean a lot in your situation, but what God will show you will be very personal for you. And you might not have to get up in front of everybody and say it, but come on, somebody. We're going to be trusting in what God is going to show us as we pray, search me, Lord, and test my anxiety. And what God really was showing me this week is I have to begin to love pleasing him more than I fear failing. I have to begin to love to please him. I have to do everything that I do for an audience of one more than I fear failing, more than I fear being inadequate. I have to begin to trust him. I have to trust in him. In my own time of praying this, Lord, test me, know my anxious thought. Then what am I doing? Well, then I'm quoting scripture to renew my mind. Where perfect love casts out fear. That God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. When God shows you what that fear is, where those anxious thoughts are, then we begin to quote scripture to renew our minds. He's revealing it not to be cruel, but because he's transforming us into the image of Christ. We pray this forgotten prayer. Lord, search me. God, show me my anxious thoughts because I want to trust. I always go back to the Father in the New Testament that came before Jesus. Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. In the midst of prayer, forgotten prayer number one, we're going to begin to cry out, God, where are my anxious thoughts? Show me. And then show me how I can put my trust in you in that area. Show me how I can rely completely on you in that area. And suddenly God's word can speak to the root of the problem. It can become a reason that you say, I'm going to step out and do what God's calling me to do. Instead of living in fear of whatever anxiety, whatever that thing is, I am going to step out and obey God in this scenario, in this area. Where are you anxious? What, what, what do you fear the most? What areas of your life are crippled by your paralyzing fear? What, what, what areas that I would submit to you, that's where you're not trusting God in those areas. 
Let's begin to pray together in these 21 days. Search me, oh God. Search my heart. Reveal my fears. And then number three, it gets even more difficult, if you can believe that. David begins to pray, uncover my sins. Come on, somebody. You were with me for point one. You were with me for point two. And you're out for point three. Like, just Lord, I just can't do. Number three, he says, uncover my sins, God. It's what David, I love the courage it takes to pray this prayer. Because I think too many of us, myself included, don't have the courage oftentimes to pray this prayer. We'll pray God uncover their sins. Oh, Lord, bring it to light. Oh, God, bring them out in the spotlight. But we won't pray God discover mine. God, uncover mine. God, show me my sins. Show me, God, anything about my life that's inconsistent with your truth. We don't want to pray prayers like that. God, show me anything I'm doing that's displeasing. If there's any offensive way in me. Have you ever noticed it's incredibly hard to see our own sins in the mirror? Anybody ever notice that? Is it just me? Anybody ever, ever experienced that? It's incredibly hard to see our own sins in the mirror. It's incredibly easy to see everybody else's, right? We have that gift of discernment. We can see everybody else's sins in the mirror. Like, can you believe she's talking that? Can you believe she thinks she's all hot stuff? And that guy over there, he just blah, blah, blah. I just can't believe he said that. And this is what we, this is what we say. Anybody see ourselves in this? I can't believe he ever said that to me and blah, 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 blah. And, but me, I'm holy. I'm righteous. What do, we, what do we do so oftentimes? We excuse ourselves and we accuse others. So often, right, we, we judge ourselves based on our intentions. We judge others based on their actions. Well, so-and-so is doing that. I can't believe it but myself. That's just how I cope. That's just, it's a, I have to do that thing. That's just how I get through life. That's just the way that I get through my day. That's, it's not really all that bad anyways. And who are you? And judge not lest you be judged. You ever had that? You know somebody like that, right? Everybody, you know somebody. Test me, God. Know my anxious thoughts and see if there's any wicked way in me. It's so easy to see other sins and not our own. I want to give you three quick ways, three quick questions you can ask yourself after you begin to pray this prayer. Three quick questions you can ask yourself as you begin to assess and you ask God, show me any way in my life that may be sinful and distrusted to you. As you begin to pray that prayer. As you ask God, because God will show you those things. Three quick questions to help you along with that thought process. The first one is this. What are others trying to tell me? So if in your life you have three or four people who really love you, who have approached you, three or four people who come with the same thing, and they say, you know what, I think you may be going through that. I would encourage you this week. Maybe you've never listened to them before. But this week, begin to actually listen to those people. If you have God-fearing people who love you, who come to you, Maybe three or four people who say, hey, I love you so much, but this, you're really having this area. Listen to them because the common denominator in all of that is you, everybody. All right. So the second question then is to ask yourself, what have I rationalized for some time? So what have I rationalized away? What thing do I just kind of sweep under the rug? What thing have I had in my life for a long time now that I've been saying, well, it's okay if I do that. It's not that bad anyways. It's okay if I stumble in that area. That's just my one thing. That's just my one. Everybody gets one thing. And so that's just my one. What have you rationalized in your life? What do you rather? I'm going to quit someday. It's just really not all that big a deal. And then the third question, where am I most defensive? Some of you are defensive this morning as you hear me talk. Come on. Where am I the most defensive? Where am I? No, we're not going to talk about that. No, we're not going to. We're not going to discuss that. No, I don't want to hear about that. No, we're not going to. Where am I the most Defensive. See, in my own life, when we put all of those three things together, uh, this is something that happened in high school all the way through college, all the way after college, I'm ashamed to admit. In my own life, I've had issues with anger. 
If you had issues with anger and temper problems, those of you saying, no, there's no way, bless you in the name of the Lord, all right? Just bless you. But I've had trouble with that all the way up, especially in playing sports. If you ever played with me 15 years ago, you understand. I had trouble with those things. And I had people who would come to me in love and be like, we love you so much, but you just have, you know, when we play that particular sport or you do that, you just have this anger issue. And I'm like, well, you just must not want to win. That just must be what it is. You're just a bunch of, you're not going to be on my team next time because you just must, bunch of pansies out here on the court. That's just not what, but I had people time after time and it was something I was defensive about. And some of you that have known me now, you're saying it's been 15 years. You haven't done anything about it. What you just haven't done? But if you knew me then, you would know how far I've come. All right, everybody, you would just, you would know. But I had to go to the Lord with that, where I had to go before and say, Lord, Lord, I have been this way. For years, I've been defensive about it. I pushed off, didn't listen to people. Oh, Lord, I had a roommate who didn't talk to me for a month because of what I said on a tennis court. Come on, somebody. It was just bad times. But we have those areas in our life that we are defensive, that we rationalize, that we put off. And when people come to us and say that, we need to ask the Lord, oh, Lord, show me those areas. Oh, Lord, show me where that is. Oh, Lord, speak to me. And when we do, when we begin to say we submit to God, what God has shown you, he will point those areas out. He will convict us of those. And so if we're actually praying this prayer, we're not just glossing over the Psalms. We're beginning to pray this prayer. We have to have the courage when God shows up to bring something to light. Then there are different types of confession. There's confession to God for forgiveness, but then there's confession to people for healing. The Bible says if we confess to God, we confess our sins to him. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. We confess to God for forgiveness, but then we confess to people for healing. It says, then go and confess one to another and pray for each other that you may be healed. We confess to God for forgiveness. We confess to people for healing. And we begin to confess this. Why small groups are such a vital part of what we do around here at the church. It's why they're so important to what we do at the church. That we have this environment that we're able to confess our sins. That we stand and we say, well, I'm walking through this. And then they say, well, I'm going through this. And we begin to realize, well, he's not perfect. And she's imperfect. And so if they're imperfect, then I can be honest with my imperfections too. We begin to notice that about each other, that we are all in process. That we are all in process. That God is changing each one of us and conforming us into the image of Christ. And let me just say, if you are a perfect person already, right, this is not the church for you. All right, everybody? Uh, just go on, go on out like no perfect people allowed because you could just go polish your halo somewhere else. All right, because the rest of us are in process. We are imperfect people serving a perfect God who is changing us into the image of his son. That's who we are. The church is a spiritual hospital. If anybody seems a little bit better just because they got to the hospital maybe a little earlier than you did, we are all in process. We are all being changed into the image of Christ. We open up about our faults to each other. We recognize, search me, God. Reveal my anxious thoughts, Lord. And then show me if there's any wicked way in me. When he does, when you put it all together, what does it show? Just from what I told you today, right? It shows about myself that I'm not praying the prayers. We learned that in high school. Not praying them with authenticity, right? I'm I'm living for the approval of people instead of for the approval of God. We learned that from my fears this week. I had temper and anger problems where I lashed out at everybody in my life, things that I had to do. All of that is not a good thing, everybody, for anybody, particularly if you're a pastor. It's just not a great thing to do. But what does it all show? What does it all lead to? It leads and shows that my need for Jesus All of that points towards all my imperfections, all my needs, all my faults, all my fears, all my sins. All of it leads and points to my need for a savior. All of it points to my need for Christ. It points me back to him. It points to my dependency. I need his grace. I need his freedom. I need his approval of my identity. I need him 
And so oftentimes we let our faults and our imperfections drive us from Jesus. Too oftentimes we let our sins and our fears and our anxieties drive us from him, thinking he could never love us the way that we are. You've heard me say this before. You don't get it all together to get to God. You get to God so you can get it all together. This is something that is so important in our lives that we would not let our fears and anxieties and sins drive us from him. Everything in my life, all my imperfections, all my faults, everything drives me to Jesus. Everything shows my dependence on him. What our need does, it points us to areas of our lives where we need Christ to shine his light. Areas of our life where we need to trust him more. Whatever he shows you, that we begin to pray, I know my need. I know that my identity must be in him. For me, that I'm seeking approval of people instead of of God. I need to know that my identity is secure in him. And I'm doing all of this for the audience of one. And the same in your life, when God shines a light on a particular area. If you say, well, I'm addicted, you need his power to break your addiction. If you say, well, I'm lustful and this is the way, you need his power to renew your mind and to transform your heart. You say, well, I'm materialistic. You need to be so in love with Jesus that this earth is not your home, that heaven is your home. Every fault, everything we have points us back to him. Every fear, every anxiety, every sin points to our need for a savior. We're sinners in need of a savior in every area that it would point us to Jesus. It would point us to whatever he shows you, that it would point you directly to Christ. So David prayed in this prayer. He says, Lord, search me. Test my anxious thoughts. Show me where I don't trust you. Show me those anxious thoughts. Then show me if there's any sin in my life. This is not a common prayer. This is not like you just don't pray. Everybody around you must be praying. A lot of us have not prayed this prayer for years. Search me, God. Show me, God, because he will. God will show up. He'll show you those things. And then we have to have the courage Then in those moments to say, well, I'm going to run to Jesus. It's pointing me to him. He's going to show you some things that you're not really proud of. It's okay. There's always grace. There's always grace. And then David at the very end, what does he pray? He prays number four, lead me. Lead me, Lord. When you show me what I don't like about myself, when you show me those areas of my life that I'm living in fear, when you show me areas of my life that are sin, areas of my heart that I've defended against, that I've rationalized, Then he says, lead me, show me what needs to be changed. And now lead me in the way everlasting. Let's read that verse out of verse 24. So if there's any offensive way, lead me in the way everlasting. When you have the prayer to pray the forgotten prayer, when you have that courage to pray that forgotten prayer, to say, search me, God, look in the steps of my soul. Show me where there is sin, O Lord. Show me the things that need to change. Reveal my anxious thought, Lord. And then show me offensive ways. And I'm not pointing my finger at anyone anymore, God. I'm just looking at what's inside my own heart. Show me, Lord. You see, in the early years of getting saved, oftentimes we get the big things out of the way. And then you've walked with the Lord for a few years and it starts to be the little things that he shows you. Here's what I've learned. The little things oftentimes are the big things. Oftentimes we're able to get the big things out of the way because we're able to rationalize away the little things and keep our claws in those. But so oftentimes it's the little things that are the big things, the little things that we've hidden, the little things that we say, well, God doesn't care about that, except that he does. And so as we begin to pray this prayer, I challenge you, I dare you this week to pray this prayer every day. If you do it at the six to seven during the prayer time, if you do it when you wake up, if you do just pray this prayer every day. And I challenge you to be honest with God. When he shows you something, when he says this area, this, this is not pleasing to me. To have the courage then to say, I'm going to run to Jesus because I need his power to overcome it. We begin to work those things out of dream. 
It's a forgotten prayer. And so church, as we've gone into these seasons before, as we've gone into 21 days and we think, I would encourage you, don't let it pass you by. I've been guilty of that. I've gone into it thinking, well, I have this many services I need to do and I've got to arrange this many teams and we've got to make sure everything is just right and we've got to do all those. We've done that in the past and I've let the entire 21 days go by in just this idea of operations management or this idea of can we make all the pieces fit. I would encourage you, set aside these 21 days. Whatever you have to do to make it happen, set aside these 21 days. Don't let it pass you by. Don't let it pass you by. Don't, don't, let this opportunity just go to waste. And every day as we pray this forgotten prayer, every day as we say, Lord, search me. Lord, lead me. God, show me the things that need to change. Show me how you're transforming me. He'll be faithful to show. We have to be faithful and have the courage to say, okay, then I agree, God, I change. Lord, I need your power in my life. I need you to transform my heart. For me, it would be, I need to find my identity in him. Not what people think. You need to find my identity in him and in him alone. When you pray these prayers, it will show you your need. Let that need take you directly to Jesus. Not to any other person, not to any other mentality, not to any other program, nothing else. Let it take you to Jesus. So as we close today, I want to close again with this prayer from Psalms 139. And here's our prayer. Let's pray it all together here in the room, watching online. One more time as we end, pray this prayer. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Bow your heads in prayer today, everyone. Father, we ask that your Holy Spirit would begin to draw us, Lord. Begin to change us, God. We ask, Lord, and we trust in faith that you would show us areas of our life that you want to transform. And God, I pray in faith. Lord, I pray in faith that we would not take this, God, lightly, Lord, that we wouldn't let the opportunity pass us by. But when you show us these things, God, we would never let our fears and our faults and our sins drive us from you, God, but we would run to you. And Lord, as we start these 21 days of prayer, God, as we submit our hearts to you, we recognize that our hearts are impure and deceitful above all else, God. We recognize, Lord, that we are sinful. We recognize, God, there are areas of our life that are displeasing to you. We have the courage then to pray, show us. Test us. Search us, God, and then lead us in your ways. Lead us in your truth. As you keep praying today, there's some of you who came. And you're beginning to pray this prayer. And you're asking God to search you. And you realize in that moment, as you do, even this morning, you realize that you don't have a relationship with him. You say, well, I want God to, to change me. I want him to transform me. But you realize you don't have an intimate relationship with him. Some of you have been in church. You can be in church on a Sunday. You can be in church every week and still not have a relationship with him. And as you pray this prayer, you're beginning to realize that you don't. I would encourage you today to get that right. Before anything else, to get the relationship with him right. Some of you, this is your first time in church. Some of you, you don't understand why you're here or why you watched online or why you're even here. Even watching right now, it's just pushing the envelope kind of for you. You don't know what this is all about. But you feel a drawing towards God. Let me tell you what that is. That's the Holy Spirit drawing you to Jesus. 
And you don't need somebody to tell you that you're in sin. You know that you have sin that's keeping you from God. I would encourage you, don't let it drive you from him. Run to him. And you may have tried every way to get right. You might have tried every single thing you could think of. You might have tried to do enough good. You might have tried to be good enough, to try to do enough good actions. Let me tell you this. It is impossible for us to work our way to God. We cannot be good enough. There's nothing that you can do that would make you good enough for God. Our sin reveals our need for a savior. It doesn't reveal our need to work harder. Our sin doesn't reveal our, our need to try harder. It reveals our need for a savior. Let me tell you, that's the goodness of God. That he sent his only son, Jesus, to live on this earth. And while Jesus was here, he hung out with messed up people. He hung out with broken people. He hung out with sinners. But he never let them stay that way. Jesus loved people just like you and just like me. He loved people who were broken even in their sin. But he didn't let them stay that way. He went to the cross for your sin and for mine. And he died on the cross. He shed his blood to forgive us of our sins. What we could not do, he did for us. What we could not accomplish in our own strength, he did for us. He died on the cross so we could be saved. And then the Bible tells us he rose again so that anyone, including you, including me, anyone could call in the name of the Lord and be saved. It's the beauty of what God has done for us. That when we could not do it for ourselves, he sent his son Jesus to die in our place to forgive us. That God, that Jesus came into this world not to condemn the world, but that we would be saved through him. To set us free. And so if that's you today and you feel that drawing, the Holy Spirit is drawing you. It's not because of things I'm saying. It's not because of anything else. It's because he's drawing you to him. I want you to know that he loves you and he still wants you. I don't care what anybody else told you. I don't care if no one else wanted you. God wants you. He loves you and it's never too late. It's never too late. And so I want to invite you today, if that's you, if you say, I've realized when I prayed that prayer that I don't have a relationship with him. Or if you say, I've never had that relationship. I want to make it right today. I feel him drawing me. If that's you, I want to pray a prayer with you today. I can give you the words. You have to mean them. It's a prayer of submission to him. It's a prayer of repentance. What is repentance? It's turning from our sin and turning to Jesus. You say, I don't want to live in that anymore. You don't need someone to tell you. You understand the weight of your sin, but you're saying, I'm turning from it. I'm turning to him. I need his power to set me free. I want you to know the Bible says that he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins if we confess them to him. I want to do that today in a prayer of repentance. And church, if you say that's me, if you say I have a relationship, I'm strong in my faith. Would you just pray this prayer with those who are making that decision for the first time or those who are coming back to God? Would you pray that prayer with them? All of us, no one prays alone, but say these words. Say, Jesus, forgive me. I repent for all of my sins. I believe that you died on the cross. I believe that you rose again. Now say these words, I make you the Lord of my life in Jesus' name. And Father, I pray this week, God, as we as a church begin to pray this forgotten prayer, the Lord, that we would make it a part of our prayer life. Search us, God. 
Test our hearts. Show us any anxious thoughts, Lord. Uncover our sins, God. Show us if there's any offensive way that's mistrustful, God. Any offensive way, God, that's displeasing to you. And then, Lord, we pray in faith and expectation that you would lead us in the paths you have for us. Show us the way to live that you've called us to. Fill us with your power, God, to accomplish what you've called us to do. We thank you and we praise you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's church said amen and amen. Come on, church. Can we put our hands together for what God has done today? Church, you're dismissed as you go. Be blessed this week. We'll see you tomorrow night at 6 o'clock for our first prayer service.